today's show is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. Start learning about topics ranging from fine arts to mathematics and many more. Try it for free by visiting thegreatcoursesplus.com slash quiet. And by Little Passports. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with a subscription to Little Passports. Quiet listeners can save 40% on their first month today with promo code QUIET. Learn more at littlepassports.com slash quiet. I'm Susan Kane, and this is Quiet, the Power of Introverts. We're here at Ethical Culture Fieldston Day School in the Riverdale section of the Bronx in New York City. The lush 18-acre campus is one of the top-rated Ivy League prep schools in the country. Barbara Walters studied here, and J. Robert Oppenheimer, father of the atomic bomb. Even Sofia Coppola. True to its name, students here take courses in ethics and moral philosophy, and are required to do regular community service. The academic standards are very high, and virtually 100% of grads go on to college. Down the hall, past refreshment tables laden with old pizza boxes and trays of assorted cookies, parents and students are gathered in the Student Faculty Center to learn what awaits them in the college admissions process. And even with the odds seemingly stacked in their favor, by the look on their faces, the information is sobering. This is Harry Daw, a college counselor at Fieldston. Just like the parents and students outside his office, he is the man we are here to see. So you will see, uh, and it is a picture of the Ottoman Empire. I, I worked as a school head in Turkey for a while. These are all scenes from Gilbert and Sullivan operettas, of which I am a zealot about. This is where he sits with each student, peppering them with questions and trying to identify their strengths and weaknesses. And there is a, an interesting thing that has all sorts of arcane stuff on it, of the months of the year and the different seasons, all in different languages. And uh, at the bottom, there's a passage from the Bible with it all written in Latin. And I've got a student who is particularly arrogant about his skills and knowledge. I say, okay, big guy, go over there and look at that thing and tell me what's being said. So, little things like that give me a sense of what they're made of. Eventually, Daw zeroes in on a school that he feels is the best fit for each student based on their interests, their academic qualifications, and even their temperament. Then he writes a college evaluation letter. This is one of my uh, quieter people. Discipline, depth, and gentleness are the hallmarks of this remarkable young woman. Her intellect glows rather than flashes as she pursues her deep and abiding interest in learning and near professional commitment to dance. It's an impressive letter for an obviously impressive student. But Harry says he tries to stay away from the word quiet. We did have a session once where we had some admissions officers and they were being asked questions about how they handle admissions and talk about their their own particular college or university. I remember asking the question, when you see the word quiet, Uh, in recommendations, is this sort of a red flag for them? And the general consensus was, yes, it was. Only in the sense that they would look a bit more carefully, perhaps. They would say, well, what is really being said here? You know. So how does he ensure that these students are getting a fair chance? What I used there was um, glows rather than flashes, all right? So this is going to be, that's that's saying she's quiet, right? Euphemisms. (laughs) Euphemisms. Uh... I prefer the word nuance to euphemism, but... uh, Okay, here. A subtle, powerful presence in discussion, 
So she discusses, but is subtle, and therefore is perhaps a little bit reserved. These students are lucky. They have someone who understands what they have to offer and is willing to speak up on their behalf. It's no secret that getting into your dream school takes a lot more than good grades and high SAT scores. Many schools also look for student leaders, but of course, not everyone wants to be student body president. On this episode of Quiet, we'll look at how to help your quiet teen navigate the college application process and get into the school that's right for her. Plus, we'll give practical tips to help your introvert adjust to campus life once she gets there. That's all ahead. But first, why does Harry Daw bring up a student's temperament at all? Over the years, he's found that not mentioning it can actually backfire if a quiet student doesn't shine during an admissions interview. What I've observed is that there is a uh, kind of a predisposition in this process to reward those who really are more extroverted. That's Steve Lemonager. He worked in the admissions office of Princeton University for 24 years and is now a college advisor for the educational consulting firm Advice Princeton. There's a big pressure, I think, to do things like to be a leader, to, to put yourself out there, to, to captain a team, to, um, to be the head of some organization. And those aren't always the, the sorts of roles that fit neatly into all different types of, as you say, temperament or personality. I think that the general trend is for introverts to kind of force themselves to adopt certain personality traits that are very celebrated in leaders and associated with leadership. Julia Perlmutter is an introvert and a junior at Princeton University. She made a conscious decision to push herself in this area in the years leading up to college. One activity that I did in high school that was a little bit not in my nature um, was being on the debate team. Um, So I think that uh, that was really good for me um, and not something I was totally comfortable with at the beginning because um, it helps me make an argument without being overly concerned about uh, being too aggressive or how what I said would impact um, the person with whom I was having the debate. So that was definitely a skill that I wanted to hone. I think there's there's something of a, you know, popular or conventional wisdom that, oh, you know, in order to to move the needle, in order to differentiate oneself, one has to uh, be out there and and be the leader. Um, I'm not sure that that's necessarily great advice because there, there's such a, as we know <laughs> by, by observing humanity, there, there's so many different types of learning styles and skill levels and temperaments that all lead to and and dovetail into a, an interesting mix of people in a community who learn from each other. History is full of examples of reserved people who became powerful leaders because they felt so passionately about their cause. Take Gandhi. As a child, he was so shy, he used to run home from school every day after class so that he didn't have to talk to his classmates. Now, the good news is, chasing after an extroverted ideal to land a prestigious college may not be necessary. It could even take away from what really makes a quiet student stand out. What I like to call the mythology of college admission, it's... I think people who who think about this process misperceive that you have to have those boxes that you you check those boxes. Okay, I have my leadership. I have my 
my talent or ability. I have my community service. I'm strong academically. Therefore, I've I've checked all the boxes. Um, this is this is my life right now. That's Lisa Kanzig. You met her on our show about gifted introverts a couple of weeks ago. You know, not only have I been a dean of first year students for 13 years, but I now have my introverted daughter who's a senior in high school looking at colleges and applying to colleges. Lisa is associate dean at William Smith College in upstate New York. I think we as parents of prospective college students are so focused on our kids being on all these different activities and sort of the overscheduling problem that we've seen over and over again that we forget that it's really about our kid, you know, and what they want to do and what their, their passions lie and what their interests are, regardless of whether they're introverted and extroverted. As a mom, Lisa works to support her daughter's interests, which means that sometimes she has to leave her dean's hat at the office. Um, you know, we've been focused all along on following her and her interests and what she's interested in doing. And it's difficult as parents not to put our own value systems on those choices. Um, I am not an artist. This was not where my calling was, but it is for my daughter. So I've found ways to be really supportive of her and her interests that are different from my own because I see her excitement and I want to help make sure that I'm helping her fulfill as much of her potential as she wants to and can. And there have been areas where I thought she was very talented and doing well, but she wasn't enjoying it. So you really have to watch and pay attention to your children um, that they're really doing things for themselves and not maybe to please you or a teacher or a coach or someone else in their life. And says Steve Lemenage. This may actually improve a quiet child's odds of making a positive impression on the admissions board. I think the the happy part of this process is that there are human beings who are reading applications and trying to, to look at their decisions in a holistic way and making choices based on how that individual will fit into the whole array of things at the university, not just in terms of extracurricular activities. Helping your child find his passion and setting up appropriate challenges along the way is exactly the right way to make your child stand out. But equally important, and this cannot be stressed enough, is to find a college that will foster those interests. It's much better to find a college that fits the student than to try to mold the student to fit the institution. Here's Lisa Kanzig again. I was recently at a college and heard the dean of admission there give a wonderful definition of leadership. She said, you know, we define leadership here as deep, long, committed engagement in certain activities. So we want to see that for seven, eight, ten years, you've been really committed to the things that are important to you and that you can then tell us why those things have been important to you. And we can see that you have moved up and done better and taken on more different kinds of roles. But being president or vice president or secretary or treasurer or chair of something does not necessarily tell me that you've had deep and long engagement. And I was so happy to hear that because I think that's exactly what we should be helping our children do. Find and make choices about the things they really care about. Another area that can be challenging for introverts when applying to college is simply overthinking it. A lot of a lot of this the admission process is about self-reflection and who you are and what your role will be in society going forward and how will you contribute. And and my my sense is that those who are more in the introverted side of things take that very seriously. And I think they're forced to make choices uh, at a time when they're they're not quite ready to make those choices, and and I think that stress level um, really can be palpable and and I think somewhat destructive if um, there's not an opportunity or an outlet to to get more sanity and a little bit more 
um, thoughtfulness and reflection about this process. And as parents, we can unintentionally feed that stress. We need to be careful how early we start the march in preparing our kids for higher education. Their, their childhood is being shortened and in some cases simply taken away. Um, that, that sense of playfulness and, and learning about the world through, through interaction and through having the time to sit back and think about how this all works. You know, I, when you're so scheduled and programmed, it's, it's hard to reflect. And reflection is such an important part of, of human existence, in my view, that, that without as much of that, um, it's, it's a pretty bad prescription for, for thoughtfulness and civility and sanity going forward. So while it's important to support your child as he prepares for college admissions, remind him that he has a lot of good options. And if your child doesn't get into his favorite school, it doesn't mean that his life is over. It is just the next step on his journey, one of many, many steps to come. In a moment, we're going to look at how to ease your quiet child's transition from high school to the hectic new world of the college campus. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. We talk a lot about learning on this podcast. Being a lifelong learner is important, and the new The Great Courses Plus video learning service is here to help. With The Great Courses Plus, you get unlimited access to a huge library of The Great Courses videos in subjects ranging from philosophy to economics and many more. You can watch an entire course start to finish or select the lectures from any course that you find most interesting. Tap into subjects you've always wanted to learn about. Interested in photography? Then the Fundamentals of Photography course will help you get started. Taught by National Geographic fellow Joel Sartori, this course will give you great advice on all aspects of photography. For a limited time, The Great Courses Plus is offering my listeners the chance to stream The Fundamentals of Photography, a $235 value, and hundreds of other courses for free. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash quiet. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash quiet. And by Little Passports. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with Little Passports. This award-winning educational subscription sends you monthly packages in the mail, each featuring a new country or world theme. Packages are addressed to your child and are filled with letters, souvenirs, stickers, activities, and more. It's a really fun way for kids to learn about geography and cultures all over the globe. And Quiet listeners can save 40% on their first month today with code QUIET. Learn more and take a peek inside the monthly packages at littlepassports.com slash quiet. And we're back. I'm Susan Kane, and this is Quiet, the Power of Introverts. We've been talking about how to help quiet kids land in a college that's right for them. And now we're going to look at what happens once they get there. I always say to students, it's like moving to another planet. That's Lisa Kanezig again. She's Associate Dean for First-Year Students at William Smith College in upstate New York. You know, here you are, you've probably either had your own room at home or sort of some space at home that was your own. You come to college, you're living with two, three, four other people, you know, in a room or a suite. You really, very few colleges have lots of singles for first-year students. That's very unusual. Um, and, you know, you, you have to really find a way to still find the places on that campus where you can have sort of quiet time to recharge yourself, but it's often not the case. I love my roommates. They're from all over the world and we get along great. That's Jake Millman. He's a college freshman from New York whom you met in our show about mastery. 
So these are my noise canceling headphones. I got them in college because I didn't realize that one, people, namely my roommates, listen to music out loud, and two, people talk out loud a lot, and the walls are very thin in college. Uh, so I needed some solitude and some silence. And they go out to the lounge, you know, or the study space on their floor. And, you know, kids are out there for all different reasons, many of them to socialize and talk with other kids and get to know other people, which, of course, is what we also want them to do at college. But for the introvert, there is no space for them. Um, so I got the headphones. I use them to sleep or to study. It's kind of crazy, but... It's... You, you sleep in your headphones. I do, because otherwise I'd have to sleep to the sound of my roommates talking or playing music, which I can't. And they go to bed much later than I do. I think it's on us, you know, as college educators to make sure that we're finding, you know, and making sure that we create those spaces um, to to make sure that kids have that time to recharge, you know, and, and thinking hard about, you know, what it looks like to have an environment where both introverts and extroverts thrive. Because I think most college environments are committed and the real reason for being there, the main intention of higher education um, is that we want students to think deeply and critically and write great papers and have great projects and, you know, develop new ways of thinking about, you know, the problems of the world. But if we don't ever give them any space or time to do that, that makes it really tough. Lisa is speaking here not only as a professional, but also as a parent. As a parent of an introverted daughter who's a senior in high school and going off to college next year, I'm terrified. You know, I'm terrified because I know so much as a dean for 13 years of first year students. And I'm terrified because it's my kid and my first kid going off to college. So that's my tribe. You know, easy to say and harder to do. But what my advice would be to others or what I'll try to remind myself of, you know, is that I want her to find balance. And says Lisa, it turns out that this is such a fundamental part of her daughter's nature that she doesn't even need to mention it. Every school we've gone to, she's wanted to go and look in the library and see where the spaces are in the library. And I think it's not just because she's such a serious student and wants to do coursework all the time, because I know that's not true. But she's looking for those spaces in advance at a college where she can kind of find some time to sort of regroup and recharge her batteries. Princeton junior Julia Perlmutter also factored in her temperament before deciding which college to attend. When I was applying uh, to different colleges, I pretty much was almost solely looking at small liberal arts colleges in rural areas. I thought that going to a, a smaller school um, would definitely suit my temperament in a lot of ways. I thought that there would kind of be a naturally built-in, close-knit community, so that was um, very attractive to me for a lot of reasons. There was only one larger school on her list. I ended up at Princeton instead, and um, I was definitely a little bit concerned coming in by um, the size of Princeton. Would I feel lost? But as it turns out, I think that a mid-sized school in kind of a small town is almost the ideal environment for an introvert because you have access to a lot of smaller communities um, I think it's also really nice how you can sort of maintain a sense of anonymity. How do you know if your child is having a successful first year in college? Here are three things to look for. First, academic engagement. Does your child like her coursework and her professors? Second, is he involved in things that are important to him, whether that's community service, music, sports, or what have you? And finally, has she found friends or people that have common interests? If the first two are falling into place, but he hasn't found his people yet, tell him not to worry. He's not alone. 
It takes time for every student, but it really takes time for introverts because introverts tend to have just one or two really close friends that they take time to get to know. Um, They aren't necessarily the kids they meet in those first few days at orientation, you know, what I kind of call the friends of convenience, people that you needed to meet to be able to go to the dining hall with someone. They'll get those, but it takes them longer to find friends that are going to be really deep, long-lasting friends, and that's okay. Very few students have all three going on, you know, in their first semester of college. It just takes some time. And says Julia, try not to get sucked into socializing that you're not really up for. Many freshmen feel a lot of pressure at the beginning to always be surrounding themselves with people because uh, everyone is super concerned about making friends, especially at the beginning. And um, it's important to remember that you will be able to develop meaningful relationships without throughout college, um, not just at the very beginning. There isn't a timeline on it. Um, And that also your conversations uh, with people will be better if you're uh, more energized, which can only happen if you uh, make sure you have that um, time to yourself. Meanwhile, back at Fieldston Day School, Harry Daw waits for his next college hopeful to come knocking. I don't know where they all are. I guess it's lunchtime now for them. This one, he says, is challenging for a reason common to introverts and extroverts alike. The student that's finding colleges they want to go to, that we know they're going to get into. That's hard. Because the ones they can get into sometimes is the ones they don't want to go to, right? They all want to go to the ones that are hard to get into. And now it's time for some concrete tips. But first, if you're an educator, I want to take a minute to invite you to join our Quiet Schools Network. At Quiet Revolution, we partner with schools and individual educators to train you as quiet ambassadors who can serve as experts in your school communities in introversion and extroversion and work with your colleagues to help kids tap into the power of quiet leadership. To get involved, just go to quietrev.com and search for Quiet Schools Network. We would love to connect with you. Okay, and now for today's tips. Number one, your child does not need to be president of her class or editor of the student paper in order to convince an admissions office that she has so-called leadership qualities. The key is to look for the thing that she truly loves to do and go deep in that. So when I was in high school, I became editor of the school literary magazine and the school foreign language magazine. And let me tell you, the staff size of both these magazines was really very small. So from a straight-up leadership point of view, these were not very stressful assignments, especially compared to managing gigantic groups of students. And for me, that was great. But the real point was that I was doing work that I loved and that was consistent with the rest of my application that talked about how I wanted to be a writer one day. Number two, the most important factor in selecting the right college is finding the place where you can find your tribe. I think this matters much more than school size or location. Culture is everything. Number three, that said, anonymity can be a blessed thing after the fishbowl nature of most high schools. So don't automatically assume that a large school is the wrong environment for an introvert. It might give him just the breathing room and excitement he needs to go forth and find his people and his passions. That's it for our show today. Quiet, the Power of Introverts was produced by Carrie Hillman in partnership with Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. This episode was edited by Christy Miners and mixed by Jason Gambrell. Our music was composed by Alexis Quadrado. 
Special thanks to everyone at Quiet Revolution. If you've enjoyed listening to Quiet, The Power of Introverts, please do be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways to help other people find our show. I'm Susan Kane. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.